0: I was working um, as a lawyer. Uh, I had a great job, was very busy at work, and we needed help with our kids. We needed help with our household. And he was very ingrained with the notion that certain things were men tasks and certain things were women tasks.
1: Take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, A dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy.
2: All right. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray.
1: And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships.
2: Be sure to check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website, CouplesSynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for nearly 20 years.
1: Everyone says you need to work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast so we could teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with.
2: On today's show, we have a special guest, Dana being Dana. She is a television and internet radio talk show host about the human connection and engages viewers by encouraging, connecting, and inspiring others to live their very best lives. Thank you, Dana, for being on our podcast. You're a very uh, well-accomplished a producer, and I, I don't even know <laughs> what, what the title is, right? But a talk you're, show host?
0: You're too kind. <laughs> yes, yes, I am a talk show host. And I actually got my start talking about relationships. I was very candid in an interview about my divorce. It's been five years. Woo-hoo! I just think, you know, you know, divorces happen, relationships and, and relationship troubles happen. And it's not about what happens to you, but how you get through those times and those moments. And for me, my marriage, I was married for seven years, and we can talk more about that, but got divorced and just decided to start a new chapter in life. My message was, and still is, that it doesn't have to be an ending. It can be a beginning to the rest of your life. I say that to so many people who are grieving and mourning the loss of relationships that have ended, whether someone's a widow, they're divorced, it's a breakup, a, sometimes a bad or painful breakup. I really believe in what's meant to be for you. And so, you know, embracing that, even though it may not be what your plan is, just helps people move forward. And so started the show, started started in radio first and then we got picked up by uh, Naperville community television. So we're we're having a good time.
2: That's awesome. or not. When can someone view your show?
0: Yeah, so uh, the television show is on nctv17.com, which is Naperville Community Television. If you live in the Naperville, Illinois area, you can watch it on your television, on AT&T. It's either Channel 17 or Channel 99, uh, depending on what cable program you have. But it's available to everybody online at nctv17.com.
2: And you can also pick it up on podcast platforms as well, right?
0: Is that that's true? correct. Yep. Yep. It's in it's in several different places like iTunes, YouTube, and it's also on my website. Everything's there. DanaBeingDana.com.
2: That is awesome. That's awesome. Thanks Thank for you. being on the show, really.
0: Yeah. Well, and I am so sorry that I couldn't be there in person. You guys have an amazing setups in there. These so, are some amazing
1: times. This is what... That's right. I hope we uh, hear this a year from now. And we remember these days and we are far yep. away from them.
0: <laughs> Correct. Yes. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. So I
0: think, we're, I think we'll get through.
2: Sure. I think so, too. You know, I, I think that you can offer kind of a, a really unique perspective on kind of what we're going through here. I mean, we're talking about relationships and there's a yep. lot of flux and a lot of changes. I mean, just professionally, people are losing their jobs, you know, because right. the small businesses are not able to sustain you know, the em- employment anymore, you have people who are separated, maybe some people who are actually single and they're in their own home and they're not able to connect with anybody. So I was wondering what your your perspective is on that because you, you've been interviewing people for quite a quite a while now. And yeah. just th- your thoughts on that.
0: Well, this is when it gets real, right? You can't go out. You can't do some of the things that people do to mask being in relationships that are not healthy or fulfilling or sustain right there's a ton of people out there who are in relationships marriages or dating and it's like well you know we always go to this restaurant or we always go to the movie or we always go see this band and sometimes you know when when those things are removed and people just have to all you got is each other right and maybe netflix but <laughs> but you know when you're just forced to be really real with your relationships you really kind of get a sense of who people are what you're working with and what the substance of what is really there so it's a great time to connect with people that you really have good healthy relationships whether they be romantic you know or otherwise or friendships just checking on your people you know are you okay do you need anything i'm going to target you know can i get you anything and then just checking on people from a mental health perspective how are you feeling do you feel claustrophobic? Do you feel isolated? Are you exercising? Are you eating healthy despite being sheltering in place? So it's, it's an opportunity to check on your people. Yeah.
2: I think that's a very important thing that you just said. I mean, a lot of the couples that we've worked with, you know, for nearly 20 years now, the biggest challenge for them is spending quality time together, you know, and a lot of them, they have less than five hours a week of quality time where it's just the two of them interacting.
1: Well, that used to be their problem. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that used to be their problem but now <laughs> now their problem is actually being in the same home together which is a huge yeah. shock it's a huge mm-hmm. shift and change, it's a change. and now and they're I, being forced on on learning to communicate
0: yeah and i i'm encouraging people to to talk to utilize this time in a way that we're normally so busy and we see ourselves as being too busy for this and too busy too busy for that I think there's a, a lot of creative ways that you can spend time together. I'm enjoying personally reading books that I haven't read that, that have been on my list just for pleasure because I spend so much time working with so many activities cut out. You're forced to just spend that time, whether it's self care or whether it's you know, communicating with other people, having that conversation. I mean, that's a, it brings up a good point, I think, in terms of boundaries. Right? Because just because you're in the same house, you're in the same roof, that person who craves quality time, whose language is quality time, may be unabashed at at wanting to to be in someone's space twenty four seven right? But when you are sheltering in place, someone else may need alone time, and that's not something that should be taken personally. It's kind of like you know let's let's do our separate thing for a while. you go to your corner, I go to my corner, or that type of thing, and then. We can connect for for intentional time or date night or game night or whatever, but it's balancing all the dynamics in your home, whether it be with children, pets, spouses or significant others, and just making sure that you're respectful of people's needs during this time so people don't get stir crazy.
1: Can you take us back to what do you do for a living and how did you get into that?
0: I am an attorney by trade. Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm that part?
1: (laughs) Yep. What kind of an attorney? Um,
0: (laughs) Yes, I am a commercial attorney. I'm in-house counsel for a technology consulting firm. It's a big one. I lead a team of lawyers globally in the commercial business. It's just a fancy way for saying we handle the buying and selling of goods and services. Super sexy. I know. (laughs) And I, I enjoy it. I have a great team. I work with a lot of wonderful people all around the world, which is what makes me very excited, it's what keeps the bills paid, and I, like I said before, I got into my show stuff um, by being on someone's podcast and just talking about my story when it comes to love and relationships. I'm passionate about about relationships. I'm passionate about marriage, like I said, I was divorced, but that doesn't mean I, I have given up on the idea and the thought of marriage. I think it's good. I think you just have to have the right person.
1: Can you take Go us back ahead. to falling in love? with your husband and how you felt about getting married? And if you had doubts back then, or if you didn't, and what was it like in the beginning of that oh, relationship?
0: You mean all the red flags I chose to ignore? <laughs> <laughs> did you,
1: did you see red flags back um, then?
0: I did. And I thought that on some levels that, that I would, that some of those things would work themselves out.
1: Mm-hmm. One
0: of the things I talk about when it comes to relationships and marriage and parenting is that you don't know what kind of parent you are until you become one, right? I know so many people, particularly closer to my age who, who haven't had children, they have what I call kind of grandiose dreams about what being a parent really is like. Um, they're like, I want five kids, you know, and you just laugh when you have kids because you're like, oh, just you wait. Wait till that number one hits you. Marriage is is very much the same way, I think. I think, and I think this is true not only for me and my my own situation, for other people that I see, you've got to be good friends. The people who are good friends have the foundation of a good marriage, of a good relationship. They're going to survive this quarantine and live to tell about it without choking their their spouse. (laughs) For sure. Um, (laughs) But it's, it's, do I genuinely like you? And, and what are the reasons for me wanting to be in the relationship? So my ex-husband and I met years ago. We went to the same schools. I went to Spelman College. He went to Morehouse, which are women and men institutions, HBCUs in Atlanta. And we didn't know each other in school, but we met shortly thereafter. During this time, I was planning on returning to Chicago for law school. Well, I was leaving Atlanta. What was your first really thought
1: when you saw him for the first time?
0: Well, I knew him actually, we had mutual friends. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I first, I mean, he's a, he's a handsome man. I thought he was nice. So yeah, so we met and I knew him for years before we actually started dating about a year or two that, that I had known him before we actually started dating. And so we actually saw each other at a college homecoming and, you know, sparks then flew. The funny thing, and this is kind of what I realized is that I was not. I was not all that interested because I was preparing to leave Atlanta. We met in Atlanta and I knew I was leaving. He was from Atlanta. He lived with his mother at the time that we met. It's one red flag. And <laughs> I I wasn't planning on staying. I just knew I knew for me personally I wanted to go to a top ten law school. I didn't know where, so I applied to all of them. But I knew that I was leaving Atlanta. And so uh, my plan and my path was was leaving it, but I actually think that's the very thing that made him more interested um It's kind of that hunter you know cat and mouse game where because I think I was more aloof, I think that made him more interested. He um, chased more I know, and I just didn't run far enough. I didn't run hard <laughs> enough and so yeah we we I moved up here for law school. he followed me up here, and that was kind of the beginning. I think once you move, you know, we were taking, we were taking some life steps and I don't think our relationship was, it was, it was more circumstantial in the, in the sense that like, when well, he moved here with me. It was kind of the right thing to do in terms of just being the right next step.
1: You know, we see that a lot with women in particular who are very ambitious and very committed to their independence, that they somehow don't necessarily always attract an independent guy.
0: <laughs> this is very true. And I, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot because I've met people who, you know, in this dating world, out in these dating streets, these quarantine streets, (laughs) you meet a lot of people who become opportunists and they're more interested in what you can offer them versus what they bring to the table. Yeah. And I think that number one, and this is so funny because in one of the groups that I'm in, somebody mentioned a term that I had never heard before called a hobosexual. Do you Whoa. ever heard that term? No, no, we have not. A hobo, a hobosexual is someone who dates people to get a place to live. Oh, so it's, wow. so it's, in wow. terms of latching on mm-hmm. to people, they want to date you because they want to move in to your house, um, and that kind of codependency, that usury, that opportunistic behavior, already sets relationships off on the on the wrong course.
1: Is that like the equivalent of the gold digger? But for me pretty much, and I think that's yeah. that's the big shift, right? That you know, women tried so hard to go from having all these restrictions to being independent and having power and having their own choice and free will, but it doesn't play out that well in dating.
2: I, well, I,
0: I believe. Well, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say. I wonder if that's regional, you know? Because uh, Chicago has a larger percentage of single women versus mm. single men. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know. But I think know. a
0: lot of cities, I think a lot of cities have a lot the same ratio with. Yeah, I think there's a lot more women. A lot, women, men, a lot mm-hmm. more women, right? That are
1: single. And particularly, single. I
0: think the higher you get in education, experience, business ownership, I think some of those numbers w- with men versus women um, tend to be more female heavy. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you think that men who are ambitious and successful? are attracted to women who are more of the gold digger type rather than, you know,
0: (laughs) you know, it depends. And one thing that I've realized with, with a lot of stuff in life lately, it depends on what people's issues are and what they bring to the table. You know, meaning that everybody has insecurities. Everybody has things that they want or things that make them comfortable. For example, there are some men who are very successful may be insecure about dating somebody who's equally successful. I know someone who is is very successful in the armed forces and has never dated, as long as I've known this person, has never dated somebody on his level, which I find to be very interesting. And I think for, for him, for example, it's about power and control. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, wanting to feel more important or, or maybe better, but just certainly more accomplished than the people that he dated. And I I actually asked him about that and, uh, you know, he didn't really have much to say, but my whole point is that sometimes people just like what they like and not everybody's comfortable dating an equal, whether it be financially. I see it also play out in looks. Have you ever seen somebody who is incredibly beautiful or incredibly handsome Mm -hmm. and the person they're with, you're kind of like,
2: yeah, yeah, you know. we see that see that as a power differential, you know, and it's kind yeah. of like an echo of, you know, the whole antiquated stereotype, you know, the provider, the protector, yeah. you know, and so yeah. they're looking for someone that, you know, they can have more control over, you know, because yeah. then it minimizes rejection and minimizes abandonment for them.
0: Yeah, you know? and, and, and and people come with a lot of those issues. I I have also found people who've grown up in homes without fathers not really having the example but so, so people deal with like again like abandonment issues like you said if you ha- if you grew up in a home where a father was not present mm-hmm. so men are not getting examples of being a man of being a husband of being a father but also dealing with some of those abandonment issues like you said that could lead them to seek partners or feel threatened by partners who are who are their equal when it comes to earning potential um, and then the same thing happens with, with women too. It, it depends, you know, and that's why I say you never know what people's issues are and how they impact them because I think it colors their selection process when it comes to dating and, and looking for a mate and what is suitable or acceptable to them. On the flip side, those who've had mommy issues, right? They had a very domineering mother. They became the husband substitute where they were their mom's Without man.
1: responsibility
0: correct mm-hmm. and so those end up needing a lot of coddling they want to be taken care of they've always been taken care of by this strong woman right who they've always been the apple of her eye they could do no wrong they're perfect little man you know let, let me ask father. you this yeah
1: what is your thought about who should pay on a first date
0: <laughs> it's a couple things and this is what i tell everybody i don't care for friends or for dating i think that you should always be prepared to pay your own way no matter where you go. You can't my thing is that you can't have see so this is this is pretty funny because a lot of times I see people's the, the way they order, you know where they want to go determine it based on who's who's paying. yeah so and it's very interesting dynamics. I think generally speaking I think the man should pay. But there's a lot of, for for several reasons. One, I do believe in some of the traditional roles when it comes to dating. I think masculine energy and feminine energy are very real and important. Um, I think when when two people feel like, you know, the dating environment is right, I think the man should ask the woman out and then, you know, to a place of his choosing, right? You know, I, I don't think everything has to be super fancy or super expensive. You know, and, and it's, it's so funny dating on, on dating apps and things like that. Just the things that you've learned for me, in many ways, it's a social experiment in <laughs> yeah. addition to, to personal pursuits. But overall, in short, I think, I think a man should pay. But that doesn't mean that a woman can't pay or be creative or do something else, you know, for, for subsequent dates and interactions. I, I don't think everything has to be expensive, but I do think that initiation from a man initially goes a long way in terms yeah. of the dynamics mm-hmm. of the relationship. It sets the tone.
1: Right. Especially because we're still the only ones that can get pregnant. And so there yeah. will be a time in the relationship where we go through that vulnerability. And if you don't know if he can step it up or not, that yeah. that's usually where things fall apart.
0: That's true.
1: So, true. so in terms of dating apps, what are the different ones? We've never been on them because we've been married longer than yeah. the apps. What are the different ones? I think ones? they
0: should have apps for married people to help out, to be wingman, <laughs> wingman apps. Oh, really? Um, help your single friends out.
1: So, uh, what are the I different ones awesome. like? Yeah, the different apps. Like, are there some, the some that are more casual, some that are more looking for serious things?
0: Yeah, I think I would say this. It's funny because there's some new ones out. I, apparently, Hinge is all the rage, and I am not, I'm not on any apps right now. But I, but you know, it's it's interesting when you when you do see some of them. Hinge is all the rage, um, and I don't exactly know why. I think Tinder has historically been more sexual. It's much more like, where are you right now? You know, these people are a mile away from you. <laughs> and it's, you know, they get a lot of activity on, on the weekends, Friday and Saturday nights, because people go to a bar and they post up. They're already getting their liquor going, and then they're swiping.
2: Yeah, it's just a hookup site. they're literally
0: looking to see exact. Exactly. Any sites like Match, eHarmony, where you're filling out surveys and or paying, it ups the ante because it's, it's really filtering through for people who are more serious because they're investing either time or finances to the process of finding love. So I think you're going to find more, more serious folks on, on apps where you've got to pay or where there's a questionnaire.
1: What about uh I saw this statistic.
0: Yeah. Well, Bum Bum is the app that I used to be on. I like it in the sense that it seemed to be a more professional group of people to talk mm. to, to interact with. What I don't like is that it encourages women to make the first move. And I think it sets the wrong tone, in my opinion, because it, it really forces women to kind of get out there first. Some people think it's a safety thing, but I think kind of once you cross the line of of contact it's all the same but you know but i usually you know when i was on there i would usually just say hey hey joe you know and then kind of cuz i really want to see what people are bringing to the table right mm-hmm. like i i know i'm funny and i just don't want to i don't want to you know be the entertainment for somebody i want somebody who also has a sense of humor and and wit And I just kind of want to see what people are working with and how they're initiating conversation, how they're going about it. Because a lot of times people will tell you what they're looking for by their actions, what they say, how they say it, the questions they ask you. Mm -hmm. And some people come right out of the gate when it comes to that.
2: Yeah, it seems like, you know, the key word for dating nowadays is genuineness. Right. Being genuine. And, you know, the, the apps, they kind of force you to create an advertisement for yourself. Yeah. You know, almost market and I yourself. Tell people,
0: I, I tell people less is more, right? I don't want to know your whole story. I and mean, I think that's one mistake that, that women in particular make by putting everything out there. Like, if it's not something that I would put, that I would really share on a first date, you're not going to find it in my profile. Because that's what the opportunists are looking for. You know, opportunists are using your profile against you. They're looking at your weaknesses. They're looking at your vulnerabilities. Nobody needs to know out the gate how you've been hurt before, what you're not going to put up with. You save all that you know, for, for the conversation and when people get to know you. I think there's something to be said for the old-fashioned way of just getting to know people, having conversations. It allows you to engage your instincts when you hear what people are saying, how they're responding to things. Anybody can craft a profile that can reel you in, right? But is it genuine? Is it authentic? Right. And what I think people should do more of is just be honest. Be more honest in these apps. Tell me what you're looking for, you know, right? Like, hey, I'm a married man. I'm just looking for a good time. You know, say that. <laughs> I it, They say, like, there's more married people on these apps than there are single people. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, Like, the percentage, is. I think it's like two-thirds of the people on dating apps are actually married at the end
2: of the day. Well, I, I know I always, you know for one of my clients right now he's still married technically but you know because the divorce process takes so long these days, you know, they're they're actually not even separated. You know, they're living see, exactly. in two separate parts of the house yes. and right. you know, emotionally they're divorced, but when it comes to you know that the ink on the on the paper it it hasn't been even signed yet. So, you know, I think there's but a have lot people of people filed. Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely! Yeah,
0: because that's a, that's one thing, and I, this came up in a conversation that we had last week, just kind of online, where people have met, and you know, this one guy was disappointed that somebody was married who he met, and I said, well, has she filed? You know, paperwork, right. and she hadn't filed, and so I said, well, then she's really not serious yeah. about being divorced, about going through the process, because let me tell you, when you are ready to go, you are ready to go. And there are people who are holding on for whatever reason. And that's just a dangerous, that's a dangerous dance. I've met people since I've been divorced who had not yet completed their process or weren't fully in their divorce process. And I think people need time because divorce brings up all kinds of feelings and energies for people who may not be ready to let go, even though they tell you that you—that they are on Tinder.
1: Can you talk about? How did you know that you wanted to be divorced and how long did you know that before you took action or did something about it?
0: Yeah. So I, my, my ex-husband lost his job and he was unemployed for about two years. And I believe that there are non-financial ways to support a household. Everybody doesn't have to earn income per se, but this goes back to the friendship piece of things, right? Are we partners? Do you have my back? Do I have your back? And I just felt like when we were divorced, excuse me, when we were married and he was unemployed, that there should have been a shift in what people were contributing to the household. We had two small kids at the time, so there was a ton of things that could be done to help out around the house, I was working um, as a lawyer. Uh, I had a great job, was very busy at work, and we needed help with our kids. We needed help with our household, and he was very ingrained with the notion that certain things were men tasks and certain things were women tasks. And so for me, I was like, "Is breadwinning one of your women tasks?"
1: <laughs> I
0: don't think so. And so if that's the case, you know, you know. I feel like true partners get in where they fit in and there's going to be ups and downs. Someone's going to lose a job. Um, Someone's going to have a situation that that, uh, enables them or prevents them from working. So that didn't happen. And we had a situation where we needed to move out of the home we were renting because they needed to, they wanted to sell it. That was kind of my ultimatum. I just want you to get a, get a, get a job, some form of income. Um, it had been two years and things had not developed in the way that I think they, they should have. And again, we weren't true friends. We weren't truly supporting each other. We were just kind of coexisting. And that, that's not healthy. There is toxicity in, in just coexisting. So my ultimatum was for him to start working, you know, de- deriving some income to contribute to the household. Or, or I was interested in separating. He was actually the one. He came back with asking for a divorce, and so
1: I was like, "Oh, oh game on!" Wow. Um, Did you? So. We see. I don't want you to answer this, but we see a lot of situations like this where the the woman ends up paying spousal support as oh, well as taking the kids. But we but we were
0: not having that. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's happening more and more. It's it's kind yeah. of an interesting time we live, and it hasn't really caught up to. The reality yeah, of what's going it's on. It's
0: interesting. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> although this is where you have to be savvy, I, although my ex or an was attorney, like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he, he wasn't working, but he had potential to work. And that was my point mm-hmm. is, you know, being married to someone who was not interested in being a provider, a protector, you know, it, you know, I'm going to take care of my home because that's just my desire and, and the way I'm wired as a man i'm going to make sure that you know i'm taking care of things around the house helping my wife out so that she can go to work making sure that that she's in a good emotional state supporting her mentally physically emotionally and and taking care of the home you know i think that there's like i said there's so many ways to contribute to a household that do not have to be necessarily financial but when someone is not your friend when someone isn't inve- invested in you Those things aren't going to, they're not going to happen. And that's why this COVID situation, this quarantine life is really showing people who they're with. You know, what kind of friendship do we have? Are you supporting me when I'm emotionally or mentally struggling with what's happening in our country, what's happening in our home, what's happening in a grocery store? I mean, people, people are traumatized, you know, when they're going out because, you know, shelves are empty or streets are deserted or, you know. So many different triggers. They're worried about elderly family members that they can't see or get to. And it's how are you supporting one another? Would you say that
1: that before he lost his job, you guys were partners or did it just highlight what was already there?
0: I think it highlights what's already there. You know, there were there were certain red flags that I ignored. I was ahead. He went He ended up going to business school. I was in law school and I was ahead of him in school. And I remember the first year that we were both working. He got a huge bonus, you know, with his job and he I remember one the first time he got his bonus, he was like he was like, "Aha." He's like, "I finally made more money than you." And I was like
2: <laughs> like it's a competition.
0: Correct. I said I didn't realize that it was a competition. And so that was a flag that, you know, it's it's something that I feel like I should have paid more attention to because I don't believe in competition outside of the home. You know, it's 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 me and you, it's us together, it's our money, it's our dreams, our plan. It's difficult to survive when you are competing with your spouse, when you're in a situation where because you're never a team. No wonder no wonder why you're not gonna help me, right? Like you're not gonna help, you're not gonna support. Because we're competing. And 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 that's you know, that's may the best man win. You know, this is my this is mine, this is yours. And that's just not truly collaborative. And I believe that that is the essence of a healthy relationship.
1: That's a really good point, because if there's competition, why would he want you to be successful, especially when he's not doing so well? Of course. Yeah. Of that course. Makes that a lot of sense.
0: And I think a lot of times, particularly with men, there, there is a tie between pride and career and success. And if you are in a competitive state, where you're focused on you, right, and your success above all else, right? Sometimes we call that narcissism. <laughs> and if you have, if you embody that, you're you're going to always be competing. You're going to always be comparing yourself to everybody else.
2: Well, especially so if you weren't taught how to be a partner and have a correct. partnership, you know, you and that share
0: and ha- right, that goes back that.
2: to what you were taught from your primary caregivers. Right. And a lot of a lot of guys, they they never had any role modeling from their fathers, even if their fathers were present. Yeah. You know, so a lot of guys are just they're right now in uncharted waters trying to, Mm -hmm. you know, define what that really means to be a provider and protector.
0: I think that's so true. And I, I encourage people rather than create situations and scenarios where history repeats itself. It's take a look at what the end game is, right? Did you, did you have a father that was present? And if not, right, if, if, if they weren't ever there or if they were there, but they weren't emotionally available, for example, how did that feel? What did that look like? And do you know what having someone who is present does look like or does feel like, right? And then start to embody that, like start to do those things. So thinking through kind of what your end goal is and kind of backing up from there, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I, when I talk to people, I talk about having a best friend, you know, do you have a best friend? Why is so-and-so your best friend? Because they're, they're, they're reliable. They're loyal. They're honest. You enjoy their company. You have a good time. So it's about, you know, being those things that you want for yourself Uh, That's interesting. I
2: I say, was it Gandhi said, be the change that you want to see in the world. Exactly. And I say, be the change you want to see in your relationship.
0: Your relationship. That's absolutely right. You know, like you, you can't demand, you know, and a lot of people are so focused on their needs versus being focused on what their partner's needs are. Because a lot of times when you can meet your partner's needs, you can unlock getting your own needs met too. It's not always about take. And a lot of people step into relationships looking to what they can get. Oh, this person has money or, oh, this person is physically attractive or my social credibility goes up by dating this person or or whatever is the motivation and really kind of being in tune with what you bring to the table and what, what you are bringing to the table. You know, if you want somebody to to be thoughtful to you, are you being thoughtful to others? Right. Or is it just about what you can take and what you can get versus what you can give?
2: So it sounds like you've learned a lot from your previous marriage. How does that impact your your dating now?
0: Yeah. Oh, you learn all kinds of lessons. Uh, (laughs) You want to tell you one thing. You don't waste time. That's one thing you don't do. You just don't let people waste your time. I've learned lessons. I think I stayed in my situation in my marriage longer because I wanted to create certain examples for my children. And I was hoping that they could grow up in a two-parent household. And, And what I realized with their biological parents, what I realized is that the happiness we have created in my house is something that we were able to do successfully. I didn't think it was possible, right? Like I'm divorced, I'm a single mom. Can we have that same joy and that same happiness? And I think absolutely, because there's been a lot of peace There's not tension in my house. There's not yelling. And so I think that that's just so important when it comes to dating. You just, you know what you want and you know what you don't want. Once you've had children and if you've decided, you know, I think people get married for two reasons. One is to procreate, to have children, to start families. And two, for companionship. And as you get older, and once you kind of cross parenting or, or children off your list, uh, you're really looking at, at people in terms of, you know, are you a good companion? Would I want to be quarantined with you? And only <laughs>
1: yeah. with you? Right? That's a great so slogan, hashtag. <laughs> these
0: are the things we think about, right? Like, that's what matters, right? But if I'm not necessarily interested in having kids. And so you see a lot of things, you know, that, that you didn't pay attention to before. Dating, you know, in your late 30s and, and 40s is different than when you were in your 20s. It's real now. The people who have potential in their 20s, you see whether or not that potential has come to fruition, you know, as we get older. Yeah. Right? You are you are effectively living off of the decisions you made about a decade ago.
2: Well, it helps you not waste time. You know, you Absolutely. see it right away. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you can just get to it. You know, I I think people go into dating relationships with a lot of pressure on that first date. What I always tell people is that all relationships fail, but one, if you think about it, mm-hmm. every single encounter, relationship, romantic, you know, will fail or just not be successful if you want to be less dramatic.
2: Yeah. Um, we always say all one. relationships will end at one point. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. And so if you go into every first date or every situation kind of with that attitude, I think it takes some of the pressure off. Uh, I think a lot of times people, particularly people who don't date on a regular basis, I think dating is a muscle. So I think there's it's important to exercise that muscle and just learn to be social. Learn to make friends with people of your preferred gender and interact with them on a on a platonic level, on a deeper level, because it really helps you figure out what you like and what you don't like. And so that's one of the things that have colored my experiences, particularly now not only in my job, but also the stuff that I'm doing with regards to my show. When I meet people, I don't know why they've come into my life in particular. I, I, it may not necessarily just be romantic. Um, I've met people on Bumble before who've turned out to be great business associates or, or people that I've worked with in a professional sense. So it wasn't meant to be romantic. That wasn't the purpose. And if you go into those situations only with that lens, like, is this the one? Are we going to be together? You miss out on the other opportunities that that people can add to your life. Maybe the person you've met on an app or in real life is friends with or related to the, the real person you're supposed to meet. Sure. And so it's about just being open to those exchanges and interactions and just seeing what happens. You learn a lot about people. You learn a lot about yourself. You learn about what you don't like. And most importantly, you're living you're you're enjoying life, you're experiencing what great cities like Chicago have to offer. I mean you're just getting out there, which I think is so important it's It's good for your healing it's good for your happiness it's good for your growth
2: and I think in today's day and age and what we're kind of all worried about right now, there's an added factor for people dating you know several of my clients are dating someone that they're getting a little bit more serious with and they're getting feedback from their friends and family that they should stop dating that person because, you know, it's risky. Right. And so that added factor of, is this a person that is worth it, you know, to be around and not succumb to the fear that we're going to be transmitting this COVID or any of that, you know, but I'm going to spend time with this person because they're, they're worth it to me. Right. To have this close relationship with.
0: People are afraid to, to, to date today. Oh now yeah, yeah. With the Rona,
2: with the Rona, right? <laughs> with the
0: Rona, uh, wash your hands. Wash your hands, people. I think one thing that Corona has done in the dating world, which I think is exciting, is has slowed down the dating process. You know, whereas, like I said, people would be on Tinder, you know, and have met they they have met and dated and engaged with somebody in less than twenty four hours. Right. things move quickly and i think we're in this microwave world of immediate expectation and gratification what corona has done which i think is something we should pay more attention to is the need to slow things down and to get to know people to have conversations now you got to use your now you got to use your phone game right yeah you got to talk to people right and so these personalities these socially awkward personalities of folks who hide behind the internet. I call it courageous thumbs, where they got a lot to say on the internet. But then when you get to talk to them or you go on a date with them or you experience them as a person, they can't hold a conversation. Correct. Correct. And so I think it's a great opportunity to flex that muscle and to use that. Get to know somebody. Have you guys seen the show Love is Blind?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well we've we've seen like previews and stuff of it, but we haven't actually seen it, yeah. That's, int- it's a that's great social interesting social
0: experiments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is that's what effectively what the coronavirus is, is forcing people to talk and have conversations and to get to know each other. In that social experiment, they had the the benefit also of not even seeing right. what the other person looked like. But I think just being able to get to know somebody again at the end of the day, do I like this person? Are you a friend to me? Do we have similar values? I think that's important is dating somebody who's got similar values that as yours. It doesn't mean that they have to be the same, but they've got to come together in a way that complement each other versus con- conflict with each other.
2: Absolutely.
1: We always think about it like fast food versus fine dining.
0: Fine you know, dining. You could meet someone
1: and have some fast food or you got to go do some fine dining.
0: <laughs> You're going to have a stomach ache. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> And I, I just think people, you have time now. And one, one another thing I saw on the internet was about people who, you know, if you've ever wondered why he is not calling you back or she's not responding to your texts, like they have no, they have nothing else to do right now,
1: right? Right. So if
0: people aren't <laughs> You you could take away all the excuses. Right. You're probably
1: not, married. You but, know their home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where have you been? exactly you know their home? They're they're quarantined with their computers, they're quarantined with their tablets, they're quarantined with their phones. Right. So if they're not responding, they're just not into you. They're choosing not to. They're not right. doing it because they don't want to. And so that's why I say like we're we're taking out some of the obstacles of society and social interaction that prevent people from being their authentic selves when it comes to dating. So I encourage people to use this time wisely to have conversations with people. You will filter out those who you really don't like, but you got caught up in the physical or you got caught up in the fine dining. But at the end of the day, that, that person just wasn't someone that you're really compatible with.
2: Absolutely. Well, Dana, we want to thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Can you repeat again for the listeners where they can tune in to listen to you and and watch your show? Yeah,
0: sure. Yes. So my radio show has not been, we're kind of down right now because of the coronavirus. Mm. But so I'm thankful. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. My show is on, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Dana being Dana. And my website, which brings all of my shows and things together, danabingdana.com You can find radio, you can find television, you can find our nonprofit and all the things that we're up to about bringing people together. That's what it's all
1: about.
2: That's what it is all about. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. And we hope that by you sharing your story, it's enriched your life and the lives of our listeners.
0: Happy to do so. Yeah. Thank you so much.
1: We want to wholeheartedly thank you,
2: our listeners, for joining us today and for listening to Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs, such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com.
1: And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening.
2: Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love.
1: You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.